It's good to see you all. Way to brave the uh, the weather, right? Crazy, uh, crazy weather. I noticed today, um, just because I looked in the mirror of myself, I'm tired. You guys tired after that snow and like that wetness? I see people kind of nodding off a little bit over here. I'm watching, all right? Don't you do it. Don't you do it. We'll try to make this painless, all right? Um, except in the spirit where it should be a little bit of a, like, oh, okay, I need something. Luke chapter 10 is we're going to be verse 38. We'll get there in a minute. Uh, we are, we're going to go through um, a series, a short series, called <clears throat> One Thing. One Thing. And I, if you know me at all and have heard me before, I, I do the Columbo thing, like just one more thing, right? Just one more thing. Oftentimes in Scripture, we see that a lot with Jesus doing that. We see that with the apostles doing that as they write their letters. Like, just one more thing. Or this, is the, this is the important thing to remember. And, uh, and just in my own personal life and in, in counseling recently um, with folks and, and going through different texts, this story that we're going to read today and over the next three, four weeks um, has, has been one that keeps coming to mind. And uh, it's, it's very rich, and it's one of those stories that we often would read and kind of just kind of glaze over, like, oh, that was good, and let's move on to the next section. It's only four verses, no big deal. But I think there's a lot to unpack there, so we're going to take some time and unpack it uh, in our series, One Thing. And we talk about one thing, uh, Jesus, we'll see in, this, in the passage, refers to that as like, there, there are lots of things that we could be focused on and doing, but there's only one thing that's necessary or one thing that's important. And, and he shows us what that is through that text and through other parts of the scripture. So we're going to be looking at that. Um, and today, so looking at the story of Mary and Martha, Mary and Martha. Um, as we do, I, I, I'll say it later too, but I, I think Martha gets a little bit of a bad rap here. Um, she, she tends to be seen as, as someone that, like, okay, Martha, you were doing what was bad, and Mary, your sister, she was awesome, and you know, don't be a Martha. Now, while there are lessons to be learned, and, and Martha certainly is the example of maybe how we shouldn't have gone about things, uh, the rest of her life, we'll see also, has been one that she understood the lesson, and she followed the example of her sister and of Christ from then on where Mary, really in this text, is just silent. Mary doesn't say a word. She just what sits at Jesus' feet and listens and soaks in what Jesus has to offer. So we're going to look at that and look at how that, how that pertains to you and I as well. <clears throat> Today, as we look at this text, we're going to be specifically looking at uh, the way that we are distracted or distractions that come up. And uh, that's the word we're going to focus in on in, on in this verse, in this passage. Uh, there are others that we'll see throughout the weeks, but today is going to be about fighting against the distractions of life. All right? Let's go ahead and pray, and we'll get right to it. Father in heaven, we are grateful for who you are. We're grateful that you love us, that you have grace towards us through Christ, that we have redemption and forgiveness offered through repentance and faith as we look to Jesus. God, may Jesus increase in our belief, in our focus, God, may our knowledge of Christ increase. May our faith in Christ increase. Help us to look at our distractions, to see the ways that we've been pulled away, tempted or thinking that our own plan was better. God, help us to see you more clearly, to love you more deeply. Guide us today as we look to the Word. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. <clears throat> All right, look at Luke 10 with me, if you would. Verses 38 through 42. While they were traveling, this is the disciples, he, that is Jesus, entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. She had a sister named Mary who 
also sat at the Lord's feet and, and was listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by her many tasks. And she came up and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to serve alone? So tell her to give me a hand. The Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and upset about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has made the right choice, and it will not be taken away from her. This is the Word of God. We look at this text, and we will break it apart. <clears throat> As we look at distractions, really the word distraction, she was distracted with many things is what the text said, right? That's what Jesus said. Uh, through the word. And so as we look at that, uh, we're going to look at some distractions that, or that take place. And what I did is I kind of thought about, well, what's, what's a word study on, on this one thing or, or first do this? When Jesus said, yeah, 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 you're great, but first do this. And so we're going to look at some ways that, that fit the model of what was going on with Martha, but also with others as well as Jesus uh, interacted with them on, on a day-to-day -day basis. So uh, the title of the sermon today is Distractions. And here's number one. Our first distraction we see is our comfort and our pleasures. Our comfort and our pleasures. Now, just quickly, if we look at Martha's uh, comfort and pleasure, she had comfort in being hospitable. She wanted to, to have a nice spread out and the dishes done, and, and the Lord was coming. She wanted to serve the Lord. That is to be commended, amen? To serve the Lord. But she was a little more distracted and a little more pulled away from what we, she really ought to be doing. And it was because she found comfort in pleasing the Lord. I mean, how many of you found, find comfort in, like, I, I want the, the house to look perfect before someone comes over, right? Maybe that's just a little too crazy, right? We're not perfect. Nice, though, right? We want that. Our comfort and our pleasures. There's another story in Mark 10, if you turn there with me. We'll come back here to Luke uh, 10 as well, but go to Mark 10. Matthew, Mark, Luke. <clears throat> another encounter with somebody that was really more concerned and distracted with their comfort and pleasures. Now, again, this word distraction <clears throat> means to be pulled away from what you ought to be doing. To be pulled away from what you ought to be doing. So when, when we think, oh, oh, she was doing a great job, it was a great work, serving and getting ready, she, yeah, you're right, Mary should have been helping her. The text says that, that that was not bad. What was bad is that she was actually pulled away from something better. You understand? And so she was distracted. And so this text looks at another uh, example of distraction in the form of comfort and pleasures. Mark 10, beginning in verse 17. <clears throat> he, that's Jesus, was setting out on a journey. A man ran up and, and knelt down before him and asked. This is a great posture, isn't it? This seems like Mary's posture, like running up, falling at the feet of Jesus. Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Again, a great start. This is a great question to ask. We should all be asking that question or have asked that question and found the answer. Well, Jesus says, why do you call me good? Jesus said, no one is good except God alone, saying, hey, I'm, I am God. You're right to call me good, but I'm the only one. He says, well, you know the commandments. This is Jesus' answer to him. What must you do to inherit eternal life? Well, you know, the, you know the commandments, don't you? Don't murder, don't commit adultery, do not steal, don't bear false witness, don't defraud, honor your mother and your father. Right, that's, that's the commandments. And Oh, this is great news to him. He said to him, teacher, I have kept all of these from my youth. I've done such a great job with this. He's probably really happy and feeling good about himself, right? Jesus, in verse 21, looking at him, Jesus, what's the word you have there? Loved. Loved him. I want us to see that and understand Jesus is, 
is, is moving towards us in love. That, that's, his, that's his default towards us. He looked at him and loved. He said to him, you lack one thing. There's still one thing. Go, sell all that you have and give to the poor. Then you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. But he was dismayed or dismayed by this demand. And, and, and he went away grieving because he had many possessions. You know, it's so neat to be eager and like, I want Jesus. I'm, I want to, there he is. He, he's awesome. And, and I've got some Jesus kind of heritage in my life. I follow the rules. I know the, I know the Torah. I can recite this. I, I should be a student of the rabbi. And he wants to go confirm, God, what must I do to inherit eternal life? I want, to just, I want to make sure I'm in the right here. And what Jesus says is, yeah, you follow the law, but you're missing one thing. You've been pulled away. You've been distracted by one thing. And what was that one thing for him? His many possessions, his comfort and his pleasures. His comfort and his pleasures. What did Jesus tell him? He says, you lack one thing. And here's the answer to this. When you lack the one thing... It's all this other stuff sounds great, but you lack this one thing. Go and sell. What is Jesus saying? Go and sell. He's saying, go. It's a, it's a, this is a, a, what repentance looks like. Go, let go of everything that pulls you away from me. Go and let go of everything that would pull you away from me. Go and sell all that you have. What did Jesus know? He knew that he, this man took way too much comfort and pleasure and joy, that his hand was way too tightly gripping the pleasures and concerns of the world and the possessions that he had. And Jesus said, that ain't it. Go and let go of that. And then, once you have let go properly of this world and the comfort and pleasure of this world, once you've let go of that, then you can really what? Come and follow me. Come and he was sad because he had many possessions it's really important to see that this one thing is necessary to let go of the things that we hold on to and to then come follow jesus isaiah chapter one it says zion will be redeemed by justice and those who repent by righteousness it's a great promise to hold on to but if we keep reading it it gets a little harsh it says at, at the same time both rebels and sinners will be broken those who abandon the Lord will, be, uh, will perish. Indeed, they will be ashamed of their sacred trees that you desired, and you will be embarrassed because of the garden shrines that you have chosen, for you will become like an oak whose leaves are withered, and like a garden without water. The strong one will become tender, and his work will spark. Both will burn together. No one will extinguish the flames. You, you know, you read a text like this, and, and we say, That's, that sounds harsh. That's that fire and brimstone stuff going on. Why are we talking about this, Brandon? I want to I mention something to you. The de, to the degree that it is fire and brimstone and harsh usually exposes the degree that we want comfort and pleasure. Because the promise is there. The promise was what started this in verse, in, in verse uh, 27. It said, Zion will be redeemed. There's redemption offered. God's justice is to be put out, and it doesn't have to be on you. You can be redeemed. And those who repent will have righteousness. 
that if we would let go of the comforts and pleasures of this world, God would be all that we would need. He would be our everything. So if, if we're like, I don't care about the pleasure and the comfort of the world, all I want is Jesus, then you're like, I love this passage. But to the degree that I continue to, to well up my, my own heart desire for things and comforts and pleasures of this world, I'm going to be feeling like, gosh, that's really harsh. They're burning and, and torture and whatever. This is not good. I don't want to be broken. That happens. And maybe that's being exposed in your own heart. We, we, gotta, we, we need to go and what? Let go of the things that would draw us away from Christ. And we need to embrace Him, come and follow Him with all our heart. Again, there's a promise of God's justice being one of freedom and righteousness for those who would repent, to go and let go, come to Him. Jesus says in John 6, Don't work for food that perishes, but for food that lasts for eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you, because God the Father has set His seal of approval on Him. I want us to be careful here. This is talking about distractions. Don't work for food that perishes. You're like, oh, I, there's my excuse, honey. I don't got to go to work anymore. That's not what that's saying. You, you try and strive and work and gain and gain. And like, now look at me. I've got it set. I'm good to go. I've, I've earned my way. God's like, that's not how you do it. Yeah, you need to go work. You need to put in your time. You need to earn. You need to make sure you provide for your family and, and for yourself. But, but overall, you need to trust me that I'm, I'm going to give you what you need. He goes on and says, they asked the question. When he said, don't work for food that perishes, they asked the question to him, well, what can we do to perform the works of God? This would have been a great thing for Martha to have asked Jesus. Because her heart was said, I'm going to go work for the Lord right now. I'm going to go for it. She should have said, well, wait, wait, Lord, what, what would it be to work for you right now? But Jesus replied, he says, this is the work of God, that you believe in the one he has sent. That you believe in the one he has sent. So if we're looking at the one thing, what is the one thing? The one thing is all about what we do with Jesus. Now we're going to see this over and over again throughout the next few weeks. It is all about what you do with Jesus. The rich young ruler came to Jesus and said, I have worked so hard for you. But when Jesus said, go and then come follow me, he didn't want to come with Jesus anymore. Mary and Martha, right? You see, Mary, Jesus comes in the door. Now, granted, listen, what did Martha do? She was so hospitable. The Lord's coming. Like, he, I, he came to the village, and this woman named Martha opened her home. She was the one that said, Lord, come to my house. Awesome, right? But, but she didn't say, well, what do I need to do? Because Jesus would say, just, just sit down. Just listen to me. Just be with me. And let me serve you. Instead, she had to be busy at work. And the one thing is all about what we do with Jesus. And, and the encouragement here, the exhortation we find through these passages that we are to repent, to go and let go of the things that would pull us away. And then we were to believe in Christ and come and follow him. Well, there's another way that we're distracted. Not only our comfort and pleasures, we are distracted, number two, by the imperfections in others. By the imperfection in others. Right? We love to judge each other, huh? At least I'm not like them, right? Or I wish I could be more like that person. Or I need to go buy this in order to keep up. We are so distracted by the imperfections in others. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 7, just before Mark.
there's a healthy way to interact with one another and to confront sin within the body of Christ. And you can go read the Bible and look at all kinds of different sermon series we've done on that. But, but as we look at chapter 7 in Matthew, and we're going to look at verses 3, 4, and 5, here, here's the exhortation from Christ. This is part of the Sermon on the Mount. He says, starting in verse 3, they're talking about judging. He says, why do you look at the splinter in your brother's eye, but don't even notice the beam of wood in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, now let me take the splinter out of your eye, and look, there's a beam of wood in your own eye. Hypocrite, he says there in verse 5. You see, let, me, let me set the stage here a little bit of, of the analogy. It, it's, it's not to say that we shouldn't point out splinters or help remove splinters. right? The, the Lord says we need to first examine our own heart. So again, what's the one thing here? I might be distracted with all the sin in your life, or you might be distracted with all the sin in my life, or the speck I have, or whatever it is. But what's Jesus say first? What is the first importance? Look at verse 5 again. He says, hypocrite. If that's what you're doing, you're a hypocrite. He says, first, the one thing, take out the beam of wood out of your own eye. Now, we like to say, oh, hey, you, you can't judge. You've got a beam of wood in your eye, and we walk away. What Jesus says, here's what's first. You are to examine your own self. You are to examine your own heart. And once you have done that appropriately and rightly, then you can see clearly and go to your brother and sister and help them graciously and compassionately see that there's a speck in their eye and help them remove it. I said this before. We talked about this during, I think, the Harmony of the Gospels series, right? Where when you have a surgeon going in on surgery, they got a scalpel, right? If they have a and, and if, or you go to a dentist and they're doing it, taking care of a cavity, they have those goggles on that like see things clearly. I do not want my dentist working on me without those. I'm, I'll feel my, you will not feel your way around my mouth. Right? Same is true. Like, the, think of this thought. Like, hey, I'm gonna, I got my scalpel. I'm going to help you remove that sliver. But I've got these slivers in my eyes or I have a blindfold on. Like, whoa, time out. We're not doing that. Right? But when a doctor does come with their eyes open and their glasses on and their goggles they can see and they got the scalpel and the gloves, I'm like, hey, let's do this. Take care of me. So we're distracted with the speck or the imperfection in others. And Jesus says, no, first, what's more, more important? What's the one thing? Examine your own heart. Examine your own heart. In Matthew 23, he says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You clean the outside of the cup and the dish, but inside they are full of greed and self-indulgence. Blind Pharisee, clean the inside of the cup so the outside of it may also become clean. I kind of thought about this with Martha, right? Whatever she's preparing the meal or maybe she was doing the dishes after the meal, she is really focused on the need and necessity to clean the cups. And Jesus is like, I just want to be with you. I just want your heart. I want us to have that conversation together. So first, clean the inside. Do some self-examination. Paul writes this in Philippians. He says, I have often told you, and now I say again with tears, that many live as enemies of the, of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction. Why? Because their God is their stomach, their glory is in their shame, and they are focused on earthly things. Paul's like, there is a way that leads to destruction. It is because we are pulled away, distracted away towards the world. But he says, our 
citizenship, us, you and I, our citizenship is in heaven. And we eagerly wait for a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. Our, our salvation is not on this earth. Our salvation is not on what we own. Our salvation is not on looking better than others on the outside, but being dead inside. Our salvation comes from Christ who came down to clean you and to clean me on the inside and from the inside out. Our job is not to try and conform people into our image because they don't seem to look good enough. You know what we're doing also, by the way? When we are judging people in that way without first self-examining, we are just looking for a way to be better than we are. When I look at you and say, oh, yeah, there's something wrong there, what I'm really saying is, at least I'm not like that. I can walk, I can walk now tall and proud because I'm not like you. Dirty. What is that? That is called what? Pride, which is sin. That is sin. And that, and that is not what God wants for me. That's what I want for myself. That's, that's me being pulled away from the one thing. We're not here to try to conform people into our image. We are letting God conform first us into the image of the Son, Jesus Christ. And then, as He gives us grace to do so, we'll partner with Him in life as He helps others as well. We are to disciple and encourage and support and exhort one another as well. But it starts with one thing. Self-examination between you and Jesus. Again, the one thing, what are we doing with Jesus? Number three, distractions. The good work. Number three is the good work. I think that's what you have in your notes, right? I changed it kind of midstream, so the good work. So the first two, we, we say, oh yeah, I'm not like those people. Those are just sinners separated from God. They don't know Jesus at all. I'm a Christian. Well, okay. I think in some ways we all kind of struggle in those ways, right? We struggle uh, when we judge the imperfections in others. We struggle uh, with our own comforts and pleasures that pull us away and distract us away from God. This last one, though, is a little, little more difficult, a little more fuzzy. And this is why we sometimes have trouble with the story of Mary and Martha. Because a lot of you type A personalities are like, I want to serve, I want to go at it, I want to go for it. We are cleaning the house. We are doing the dishes. And when someone doesn't get up to help, we're like, oh, come on. Where are you, right? We're distracted with the good work. And why do I say it's the good work? Because it's good stuff. You're doing good things. But what does Jesus say? You're still missing one thing. Let's go back to Luke. You kept your finger there, right? Luke chapter 10. Let's read this account again. <clears throat> Begin in verse 38. While they were traveling, he entered the village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. She had a sister named Mary who, was, who also sat at the Lord's feet and was listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted or pulled away by her many tasks, and she came up and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to serve alone? 
So go tell her to give me a hand. The Lord answered her, Martha, Martha. When he says it twice, you're, you're like, hey, this is important, right? Listen up. You are worried and upset about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has made the right choice, and it will not be taken away from her. Some translations say Mary has made the better choice, or she's chosen the better portion. The sense here is that there's, there's a portion that sustains and a portion that we ought to, were to give, and, and, and Martha was doing that in her portion, but Mary chose the better portion. Mary chose the better portion. Mary, Mary understood what Jesus would say when he said, it's written, man must not what? Live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. That's where she sat at his feet. It's like, this is going to be my portion. Whatever comes out of his mouth is what I want. Mary knew. Martha was distracted. And listen, you see her pride swell up in here, don't you? You see this, the, the, the sinfulness of this come up where she was dis- distracted with a good work. But if, if we are really in the right motives and doing the good work with Jesus, the one thing, right? And that's how we should serve, right? We serve in, 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 for the glory of God, but we serve with Him. If she was doing that, it wouldn't have mattered who was sitting down or standing up. Her joy and delight, her portion would have been I'm serving with Jesus. I don't care what anyone else does. If no one shows up, I'm going for it. That's what her attitude could have been, but it wasn't. Her attitude, the pride started to swell in her, and, and Mary went somewhere else, and she, she came to ask, Lord, Lord, don't you care? Now, we're going to talk about some of these things in a few weeks and go more in depth, but he, don't, Lord, don't, Lord, don't you care? That's, a, that's, a good, that's honest with Jesus. Jesus does care. Don't you care that my sister's left me to serve all by myself? Don't you care that I don't have help? Don't you care that, that I'm struggling and she's sitting here doing nothing? And then she says, tell her to give me a hand. Says, One thing is necessary. One thing is necessary, Martha. Mary has chosen what is better or the better portion. It will not be taken away from her. Listen, it's, it's important for us to rest in him to be in him and to be with him and and as the world carries on in in hurried chaos we should be trusting in the lord and asking what is he up to here i want you to write that in your notes what is he up to it's something that i have i have tried to increase in my own personal life and across the board because i can get i have plans i i make spreadsheets i have i'm ready to go i have a calendar but I realize that life is kind of fluid, isn't it? And things come up and things happen and my door is open or my phone is ready to get a call. And so I really want to have eyes that say, what is God up to here? And Martha, I mean, she's like, I, God is just here. Like the Lord has come. I, I'm, I'm going to make this awesome for him. If she would have asked, what's, what's Jesus up to? She probably said, I don't know. But I'm going to go find out, and I'm going to sit right next to my sister Mary, and I will figure that out. You think about times that you're interrupted, or maybe you're, you're third in line, and you're, you're going to sit in the dealership for longer, or, the, or in the auto parts store, or whatever, or, or you're in the grocery store, or like, what, what, why is this happening to me? Why is this, this burden of the, the, it not going well for me? Just ask. What, what might the Lord be up to? What might he be doing right now? 
those conversations that you had no plan to have but started to come up and you're like oh, i got other things to do no just ask what might the lord be up to right what might the lord be up to right now what's what's he doing what is his work and then as we ask what is he up to as we move towards him and to be with him we're actually going to be strengthened by him to do the work he calls us to he says in john 15 i'm the vine and you are the branches the one who remains in me and i in him produces much fruit because without me you can do nothing what's what's the one thing to be with jesus to be in jesus and he'll produce a fruit he'll produce a work it's not the one you thought you were going to do it's not the way you thought it was going to happen. It's God. And He's up to something. Remain in Him, and He will produce miraculous fruit. Now, as I said, again, Martha gets a bad reputation here. Turn with me to John 11, our last passage of the day. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and then John. There are wonderful instances where we see Martha and the, her faith and her faithfulness just shine I want to look at one here today. I think this, this instance at home and Jesus gives her that loving rebuke. She hears it and she responds, I believe, the rest of her life the right way. <clears throat> or the best she knows how. John chapter 11, beginning in verse 17. This is Lazarus, that's Martha and Mary's brother, has died and they're calling on Jesus to come to Bethany, and, and God, before he even dies, come and heal him so he doesn't die. And then he dies, and he's in the tomb, and Jesus wait, seems to wait. Like, why aren't you going? And then we're found in verse 17. When Jesus arrived. Now, you can think about this. Before Jesus arrived, there was plenty of room for all kinds of distractions for Mary and for Martha and for the Jews in that community who were mourning with them. There are all kinds of room for plenty of distractions, plenty of, I, I want this comfort or this pleasure. I, 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 there, I'm going to judge you because you're this or you're that. right? I, there's plenty of room for that. There's plenty of room for, I'm going to do this good, busy work. But Jesus arrives. Let's see if she's learned anything here. When Jesus arrived, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles away. And many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them about their brother. Look at verse 20. As soon as Martha heard that Jesus was coming. All right, in our first story, what, what's the next line going to say? When, when Martha knew Jesus was coming, what happened? She went to the kitchen. She cleaned up. I'm going to prepare a meal. Let's get this going. I'm going to do this work for you, Jesus. I'm going to work for you. Look what happens here. As soon as Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went to meet him. Like I learned last time, I, I, I'm not just going to do things for you. I want to be with you. And Mary, Mary remained seated at the house. Interesting, right? Then Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. I love this exchange. There's this compassionate exchange. And this, even this, this, I don't understand what's going on, Lord. And I think it, it begs the question, God, what are you up to? But I love that. That's what we learn. That's what's first, isn't it? Not to be busy with work and maybe I'll get around to it. But no, I want to go right to Jesus. He's my source. 
if you had been here, Lord, my brother would not have died. Yet, yet even now I know. So I love how she answers back. She's like, but I know still that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. Your brother will rise again, Jesus told her. Martha said to him, I, I know that we will, he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me, even if he dies, will live. Everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? Do you believe this? And, and it's amazing. Look, look at her response. There's one other place in the New Testament that's very similar to this. A very similar response to Jesus. Who do you say that I am? Jesus asked who? Peter. And what did he say? You're the Christ, the Son of the living God. What, is, what does she say? He says, do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she said. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who has come into the world. Wow. Like profound wow on the level of Peter's profound wow. By the way, that's the message, that's the confession, that is the rock that the church is built on. That Jesus is the Son of God, the Messiah, who's come into the world to save you, to save me. That's what it's built on. You think Martha's kind of getting it now? I think Martha's starting to get it. Having said this, she went back and called her sister Mary, saying in private, the teacher is here and is calling for you. He's calling for you. Again, she didn't go back and, God, i got to get busy now. Jesus is here. As soon as Mary heard this, she got up quickly. Now, now, I love the posture here. Where did Mary spend her time with Jesus, the first story? At his feet, listening to every word that he said. Mary heard this. She got up quickly and went to him. He had not come into the village, but was still in the place where he was with Mar Martha. Uh, the Jews who were with her in the house, consoling her, saw that Mary got up quickly and went out. I think she's all about that one thing as well, right? They followed her, supposing that she was going to the tomb to cry there. As soon as Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, what'd she do? She fell at his feet. She fell at his feet. You know, Mary falls at Jesus' feet and wants to hear and learn from his words. And now Mary falls at Jesus' feet and she shares her burdens with her Lord. She told him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. Again, this amazing, gracious, compassionate exchange that Jesus wants. Verse 33, when Jesus saw her crying and the Jews who had come with her crying, he was deeply moved in his spirit and troubled. Where have you put him, he asked. Lord, they told him, come and see. Shortest verse in the Bible is next. Jesus wept. Jesus wept. I love that. It shows that heart of love towards us from Jesus. And, and as we run to Jesus and go to his feet with our burdens and our cares, when we, want, when we go and say, God, I just want to be with you, whatever you're up to. There's a compassionate exchange that happens between us. And this, this fondness in us, this, this affection in us grows, and this affection in Christ shows as he endears himself towards us and for us as we put ourselves with him. This kind of compassionate exchange happens with people who are with Jesus. Who are with Jesus. What we do with Christ is always more important than what we do 
before Christ. So when we think about this, what is pulling you away from being with Jesus? Maybe with on the same page as Jesus. Is it the pleasures of the world that you're like, I don't want to, I don't want to go and let go of those things? It's uncomfortable. I don't want to be without that. Is it your attitude that says, I'm going to be better than everybody else and I'm just going to identify the ways everyone else is still insufficient because you want to do it on your own? Or are you distracted by good work? It is so sad to see that, that people even within the body of Christ, and I'm going, to, I'm going to encourage you to examine your own ministry, your own heart. If you are spending more time just working for Jesus, doing a ministry, a good work, loving children, serving meals, teaching Bible study, but you aren't able to sit at the feet of Jesus and be with Him and, and sit in the body of Christ and be edified on a Sunday morning, that is a problem. Jesus would say, you are distracted and worried about many things, but only one thing is necessary. Come be with me. Amen? Worship team is going to come on back up. We're going to stand together and pray, and we're going to continue to worship the Lord in response to His amazing word. Would you stand with me as we pray, pray together? All right, let's pray. Father in heaven, we, we are distracted with more things than we care to admit. God, I pray that you would help examine our hearts, help us examine our hearts, to find what motives lie behind and beneath us. God, that we would decide and desire to, to go and let go of the things that we hold on to too tightly. And God, that we would come follow you. God, in, in what seems like reckless abandon, we would come follow you. We thank you for that. God, I thank you even as a song that Stephanie played earlier. God, whether it be in the morning when I rise, or God, whether it be when I'm all alone, or, or at the end of my life when I come to die, I, that my prayer would be, give me Jesus. Give me more Jesus. Nothing else is, is as important as Christ. We thank you for that. Thank you for the salvation that is offered through Christ, that we can be made whole and free through repentant faith in Him, that we don't need to prove ourselves. All we need to do is rest in Him and be forgiven. Help us, Lord. We need you. We pray in Jesus' name.